you know, there's all these stories about, you know, guys over in Macedonia who are running these fake news sites. Number 24 is Content Farms in Macedonia. Bidiki ako se napravi greška, tak je bide kobna. Nema vrakinja nazad. So, Europe need to, to remain more sexypil lady in the world. Ajde, majkata! Gospode, čuva Macedonija in izvinite gregi. Macedonian Foreign Minister Bujar Osmani tells media that he has plans to, quote, convince, unquote, Macedonians that Macedonia's constitution should be changed to placate those ever more demanding Bulgarians. According to your active, Osmani said, quote, during 16 months, we will convince the citizens why the constitutional changes are not harmful for the country, unquote. The Macedonian content farmers are not sure what he means by 16 months, but there you have it. And while we are on that subject, the Macedonian content farmers firmly believe that in a democratic system, persuasion should be used to try to convince the other side, and that it works both ways. But what we have seen in the past from the current Sirisa Dewey government is not persuasion, but coercion. And that has no place in a democratic society. And yet the internationals, led by the U.S. State Department and the U.S. Embassy in Macedonia, not only smile on it, but encourage that coercion. Just look at the situation in Macedonia's judicial clown show. And speaking of the Sirisa Dewey government, Soros Jr. was recently in Macedonia to speak with, quote, my good friend, capital N, period, Macedonian Deputy Prime Minister Artan Grubi, unquote. Jr. was widely criticized for using the N-word, which is frowned upon in Macedonia. We'll discuss all of this and more on this episode of the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. I'm Jason Miko. <laughs> yes, I am Jason Miko, coming to you from the foot of Volno Mountain in Skopje, Macedonia. What, Skopje? Skopje, yes, Skopje? yes. I got I confused my name there because I was so excited about being in Skopje, Macedonia. So <laughs> And this is Tritan Shalimanov also in Skopje, Macedonia. <laughs> wow. So, yes, every now and then we, uh, we get to do this... Uh, a podcast uh, in person, not necessarily live, but in person in Skopje. And one day we'll do it in Arizona. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, at the foot of the Catalina Mountains in Oro Valley, Arizona. <laughs> of course. Uh, I miss those. <laughs> this is content. Uh, this is content. This is episode number 142. And today is the penultimate day of August, uh, the 30th, I believe. Yes. 30th of August, 2022. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't have a calendar in front of me. I'm, I'm sure about the year. Yeah. But... Um, Yes, so uh, it's it's good to be in Macedonia, Svetin, with you and, and my many other friends here, trying to to get around and see and see as many people as I can and do as much as I can, and of course stay current with the news and figure out what's going on here. Examine the subject matter from up close. Exactly. How yeah. do you like it? <laughs> the, the <laughs> what do you think of it so far? Uh, well, we could go lots of places with that. Yeah. But but let's let's start with uh, you know kind of what we started with here on the monologue about Buirosmani and uh, the Bulgarians. We're we're contractually obligated, mm. although nobody pays us. Yeah. We're contractually obligated to talk about Bulgaria and every single episode. Uh, so what's sixteen months? Is that is actually seriously? Is there a, is there a rhyme or reason to that? Uh, so the formal reason is that the government is trying to get Vimera to agree to give them votes to amend the constitution and to in- include the Bulgarian nation in the constitution. And uh, the government has given themselves sixteen months to do this. Uh, they say that this is the period in which there's a it's a bureaucratic process in Brussels. They call the screening process, which was announced many times which checks Macedonian uh, laws and uh, 
practices if they're in line with the, those of the EU. Mm. And after this, we can begin proper accession talks. So this is a period in which even the EU says, okay, you haven't actually started the accession talks. Uh, and the government says, in this time, we'll try to get to persuade four, five, six members of parliament from the opposition to switch sides, to vote with us, to amend the constitution. And this is obviously the condition which Bulgaria puts on opening accession talks. You said you said persuade, and of course, yeah. we're doing a podcast, you can't, I'm using air quotes here, persuade, uh, meaning coerce. Yeah, uh, yeah, we know how it's done. Exactly. Arrests, arrests of family members, uh, bribery. Johannes Balkan tactics, Han. Yeah, using so, Balkan yeah. tactics, as exactly. you said. So. Right now in the news, like of, of those of the eight which were originally coerced or persuaded, uh, one is now uh, Nola Ismailovska. She moved from Vimera to vote with SDSM. She's now appointed by the SDSM government as coordinator for Open Balkans, the oh. George Soros-led initiative. Membership uh, has its privileges. Yeah. Uh, another, Zikir Ramchulovich, is now also in the news. He had like uh, his wife, uh, one son, and now the other son, hired in the interior ministry, which are, these are minor things in the grand scheme of things. You, you would imagine they got more out of it, but uh, like free public sector jobs, not necessarily very comfortable or cushy jobs. But yeah, a, a lot of them had relatives hired in the public sector. Uh, three of them had criminal charges dropped for terrorism. You know, these are overblown charges, mm-hmm. obviously, but they were staring at long prison sentences. Three, four of them had minor or lesser, just like corruption charges against them dropped. And we'll see what happens now with the, um, if they eventually get to a new batch of uh, Vemera MPs. Uh, Vemera leader Mitskovsky has said if anyone crosses lines this time and votes with the government, that he will uh, uh, resign and leave politics altogether, that he would consider this as having betrayed the opposition having betrayed the voters and the country. Um, but uh, he's also offering a referendum on the issue. And depending on how the referendum goes, uh, you know, if he runs a referendum on the no issue, like are you opposed to accepting the Bulgarian demands, putting in the Bulgarians in the constitution and accepting their historic their historical narrative? And if the referendum fails to attract enough voters, then, you know, it's possible Mitskovsky says, okay, we put it to the vote, the citizens just didn't care enough. We'll give like several voters, several seats, several people will vote for this so we can open accession talks and it would remove a major issue between Vimera and the internationals. I mean, this is possible, uh, but we'll see. We'll see how it develops. Right. But again, you know, even, even if... Um However, whatever means, uh, whatever coercion, there will be no persuasion, whatever coercion is used to, to do this, if, if that does happen, of course, there will always be more demands from the Bulgarians. Uh, just as we said, the, 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 the issue with Greece was not closed. Mm. Uh, well, even if it was closed, it wasn't closed. And of course, those predictions came true. There's always going to be more demands. As I said, the ever more demanding uh, Bulgarian government. Of course, I think it's worth pointing out the Bulgarians right now have a caretaker government. Mm. They have elections. Uh, I think this will be the fourth in two years on October one or two, whatever that day, whatever that Sunday is. Uh, and then we'll see what happens. But it doesn't matter because the Bulgarian government seems to be pretty much united on this uh, issue. 
Yeah, a new push for them now is uh, a new issue between the countries is to move uh, Bulgaria's uh, enhancing its uh, activities in Albania among mm. the ethnic yeah. Macedonian minority along the border. Uh, Bulgaria obviously claims Macedonians as uh, Bulgarians, <laughs> but also now uh, claims the this community in Albania as Bulgarians. And Macedonia has uh, treated them exceptionally hard under, under this government. Mm. If you remember, under Gruevski, there was an outreach to get... Uh, these are very poor, very rural areas. So there was an outreach to give them Macedonian passports, to give them scholarships for some of the children so they can study in Macedonia, get uh, a bit ahead in life. Uh, and... Um, um, a byproduct of this push was that uh, they, since being given citizenship, they could vote in Macedonia. Mm-hmm. And uh, is this made a huge fuss over the fact that few hundreds, up to a thousand maybe of them, voted in the local elections in 2013, I think. Is this and would send journalists to follow them, to scream at them, like, look at these people. They are lost. They're obviously not from Skopje. They want to vote in Skopje. And by administratively, they are residents of Skopje because mm-hmm. when you apply for citizenship in a foreign country, uh, like Macedonians in Bulgaria, they're given like a made-up address, usually uh, an apartment of a lawyer who handles their case, or or just just a made-up address uh, set up by the Interior Ministry as a placeholder for everybody mm-hmm. who's applying from abroad. Uh, and they had okay, I mean, they shouldn't have voted in Skopje. They don't live in downtown Skopje, but it was a minor issue and minor number of people. Much bigger issue was to bring them to our side, and SDSM actually put in prison the mayor of uh, Mala Prespa, the largest Macedonian municipality, person with serious health issues. Um, instead of like every, every other Balkan country supports their diaspora abroad, we actually actively try to undermine them. And uh, no wonder that many of them are you know now lured to the prospect of. Bulgarian citizenship. I mean, mm. just as Macedonians are, where in Macedonia have far more uh, opportunities than in uh, rural Albania, uh, as an ethnic minority there, and let alone facing active persecution from what you consider your native country. So there is a census now in Albania, and a lot of uh, them are. Ex- it's expected that you know there, there will be a split. I'm not sure how. Will it be fifty-fifty? Will it be? Uh, nine to one, in, or in somebody's favor, we'll see. The SDSM government has now hilariously asked them to uh, do not fear, be proud, be brave, and uh, <laughs> declare yourselves as Macedonians in Albania. And they're sending an Albanian, Buyer Osmani, who has every interest to help Albania divide the, a large minority group into Macedonians and Bulgarians. They're sending Buyer Osmani to like encourage Macedonians in Albania to say that they are Macedonians. It's ridiculous. It's, mm. If anything, he can he will tell them to either register as Bulgarians or e- even better for him as Albanians. Mm. If he's propagating anything, he will try to propagate uh, to them that they register as Albanians. So, uh, yeah, this is uh, a new... Uh, issue between the two countries that's developing now. Yeah, well, wonderful. And of course, the Bulgarians are doing what they can behind the scenes to uh, agitate in Albania. Oh. I can't remember, I saw the news article the other day, somebody, one of the Bulgarians, I think it was a government official wanted, or people representing the Bulgarian diaspora wanted to go talk to Edi Rama or the president of Albania about these issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, it's divide and conquer, typical 
Uh, they can offer them a EU passport, like, right? Exactly. You can go to Germany like that, and right. uh, obviously there will be takers, right? Because especially since you know, North Macedonia has abandoned them uh, actively and aggressively abandoned. Them. Right. Well, let's let's uh, we've done our our our, our uh, contractually obligated discussion <laughs> of Bulgaria. Um, you know, I mentioned in the in the monologue the um, the coercion involved, and then of course the judicial clown show. That we have here in in Macedonia with uh, with everything that's going on, you know. As, as a quick recap, first of all, you have the the special chief prosecutor um, Katitsi Aneta, who of course is in jail right now, and then her office was abolished, and then Vilma Ruskovska took over, you know, kind of the remnant of that. And then there was, I think, last time we recorded, which was mm-hmm. I think two or three weeks ago, uh, there was the issue between her and the. Chief of the Financial Police. Yeah, yeah. So where? Arafat Mori. Yeah, and she resigned. Uh, she or was she was removed, she was removed she right? She resigned. He resigned. Right. Okay, yes. We're trying to figure out who's who's being removed, mm-hmm. who's been who's resigned, who's being shot. Uh, mm-hmm. So where is that now? Uh, so it became clear that this is an intra SDSM fight, as we said before. Both prosecutors and both prosecutor Ruskovska, she was a very active part of SDSM in coercing members of parliament from the opposition to vote for the name change. And uh, the chief of the financial police, he was also very SDSM uh, aligned person who would actively go attack opposition uh, politicians and companies with bogus financial allegations. Uh, The chief prosecutor uh, appointed by SDSM, he sided with, uh, he sided against uh, Ruskovska and he had her removed. She appealed, uh, vaguely alleged that people in the government then she said people in the previous government, like there were people in the government who are from the previous government who are working against me, and uh, the appeal was rejected, so she's out. Uh, now, so yeah, we have like this very clear situation that a prosecutor who tried to act, uh, not independently, but tried to go after one faction of SDSM, probably in favor of another faction, which is allowed, I mean, mm. which is her right. Mm-hmm. Uh, was removed from office, major, major violation of the independence of judiciary. And by now it's clear what, who she was gunning for. She was going after a, a current member of the government who, is, who was a member of the previous government as well, Interior Minister Oliver Spasovsky. Uh, so she had several charges against him. Uh, one is that uh, he... Uh, I remember this horrible bus crash in Bulgaria where oh, yeah. over 40 people died yeah. uh, going from Skopje to Istanbul for yeah. a, a weekend Shopping. trip. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the bus, it was an Albanian-run company and uh, they had like a um, garage checking the bus in an Albanian village outside of Skopje. And the garage was supposed to be closed because it was not doing its job. It, you just go there, drink a coffee, pay as much as you need to, and they don't even check your vehicle and approve it. So uh, there was an order in the ministry to shut it down because uh, you know the traffic police, I guess, did a, a check on the garage and found discrepancies. And by some reason, it got all the way to the interior minister or he's like, in command authority because in the end the ministry never closed down the garage so it's a very mm. roundabout way to say that the interior minister was killed was, was 
Uh, yeah, I mean, well, there's, there's a Freudian slip there. It's coming. <laughs> uh, because because of the other reason, well, which I'll just go into, he, he will get. <laughs> so, uh, that he had a hand in killing uh, 45, mm. uh, mostly Albanians, all, all, all of them, almost yeah. Albanians, uh, going to, for vacation to uh, Istanbul, so which is a big issue with the Albanian parties. Mm. Uh, but the other reason is there was a large scandal in which the ministry was found that they were issuing passports to, I think it was 200, 300 people, uh, serious drug runners, uh, mobsters, like human traffickers. One was ISIS. Uh, so all sorts of horrible people. They were giving them passports on uh, names of, of Macedonian citizens who were very unlikely to ever use the passport. So you go to the police and they, they figure out somebody who never left the country is like 60, 70, or you know, maybe younger, but from a rural part would never use it. And they give you this person's identity uh, with your picture, his name, and his identity number. And you're free to travel Europe, most of Europe, and uh, engage in, you know, have it as your second, third, fourth, uh, passport which you need if you're a drug runner and when this was uncovered uh, is this and quickly said so this goes directly to the interior minister mm -hmm. no way this is being done without his knowledge I mean it's impossible so they immediately the ministry immediately said well we were actually trying to catch the guilty parties uh, in the ministry with the help of the US embassy so Vimera obstructed this major investigation we were working on this was to buy time and then, like, four or five days later, they rounded up, like, 10, 11 minor clerks. No way that a minor clerk will give you a, give a mobster a passport without, uh, you know, the higher-ups knowing. Mm. One of them was, like, a major opposition and underworld figure in Turkey, for example, who is directly challenging Erdogan and publishing all sorts of YouTube allegations against him. So this is very suspicious. Uh, and uh, the latest in this saga is that uh, there was an open case uh, about this, uh, about uh, involving uh, the minister. It was covered up because these people, these lower clerks, quickly admitted guilt and then got like uh, low sentences. Some fled to Kosovo, those who were Albanians. Uh, and the matter was considered closed by the ASDSM judiciary. Now there is a judge, very ASDSM judge, very partisan judge, who also is joining in on the allegations. She was presiding judge over the case, and she says, listen, I have a problem. The prosecutors are free to charge. I cannot go as a judge and charge somebody, even though it's clear to me that higher people were involved. Mm. So this is expanding. So she, the judge um, in this particular case is now siding with the removed prosecutor Ruskovska, and while Ruskovska is more cagey, the judge is openly alleging that the interior minister, the still active interior minister was involved, and, uh, you know, in the press there is very clear understanding that the minister should be charged and uh, put in detention so he would not be able to influence the investigation further than he has influenced it to this point. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, um that's clear as mud. <laughs> but, banana, banana but, Republic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but 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 you know we, we shouldn't be overly critical, overly, overly harsh, Fedden, I think because you know the United United States Embassy and USAID has, have spent a billion euros here in the past thirty years. Mm -hmm. Other you know EU member states have spent you know hundreds of millions, probably over a billion euros collectively, you know on such issues as mm -hmm. as um, 
you know, talking about the rule of law and the importance of an independent judiciary and things of this nature. So obviously, because they've spent so much money, things are only going to get better, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> because the U.S. cares about fighting corruption. <laughs> Well, we yeah we have we have our own issues uh, which which we don't need to get into right now. But um. no, it's clear that the embassy here is the primary driver of corruption with its support for SDSM, unaccountability in the judiciary, selective persecution of the opposition, mm-hmm. and most of all, Dewey. I mean, right. their blind support of the Albanian cause and Dewey. It's Dewey is now becoming the nexus of many well, layers of corruption. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting point. Let's let's briefly touch on that because we didn't really talk about it in our pre-show discussion, but um I think it's worth noting, you know, each each time I come to Macedonia, within the first two or three days, I've I've got a real sense after talking to a number of people of what is the what is the big issue on people's minds right now. And of course, it's always and it's always going to be uh the economy and issues mm-hmm. like that, and we can discuss that in a minute and the whole uh energy issue uh, coming up this winter. Um, but, you know, within the first couple of days of being here, the, the, the big issue was really just how pervasive and invasive the influence and the um, power and the corruption of not the Albanians, but Dewey. Mm-hmm. And I want to make that very distinct point. It's not ethnic Albanians in Macedonia. It is the, the corrupt leadership of Dewey uh, Ali Ahmeti and his party, and Artan Grubi, who is probably his his successor, uh, that has just really taken over every facet, seemingly every facet of life, and they are the problem. They are probably, you know, set aside issues with Greece, set aside issues with Bulgaria, uh, and of course the economy. Th- th- this is the major problem facing Macedonia and Macedonians today is the influence of Dewey which is supported largely by the U.S. State Department, the U.S. Embassy, EU member states, EU institutions, NATO, etc. And how you, how you, uh, you know, battle that, I'm not entirely sure. I know, I know there's problems within Dewey. There's, there's factions in Dewey, just like there are factions in Sarasa. Uh, and, and once Ali Ahmeti uh, passes on to... Um, a deserved uh, eternity apart from God, uh, the party will fraction mm. and will split up, if not completely disappear. It's always been my contention that the ethnic Albanian parties in Macedonia are cult of personality. Mm. They don't have an ideology, right, left, anything. Their ideology is, give me stuff. Sidasa, Vumro, like them or hate them, they have an ideology. You know, one of the other, sometimes, I know people like to say, no, they're the same, blah, 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 but they, at least on paper, they have very distinct mm. beliefs in Sarasa, beliefs in a utopia and a progressive state that, you know, high taxation rates and restrictions on freedom of speech, mm. blah, blah, blah. Wormel believes more or less the opposite. Whether or not they put those into practice is a different question. But again, going back to my point, the, this issue of, of Dewey's malign, malignant, rotten to the core influence and the power that they have in this country right now is really eating away at the souls of many Macedonians. And it's it's got to stop. I think Macedonians can put a stop to it if they were to unite and stand up and say no. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm assuming we have a new U.S. ambassador coming in here in the next couple of weeks, couple of months. Guess, yeah. yeah. Don't know if she's going to be any different. I, no. You know, past, past experience shows that the, the U.S. ambassadors are all the same. 
Um, I don't know. What are your What are your thoughts on on that? Yeah, the crime of Dui is even more dangerous because it uh, goes along ethnic lines. So basically, Macedonians have the very correct feeling that they're being uh, their country is being robbed by an ethnic minority, very aggressive minority, which has started wars in the region and in Macedonia in the past, and it's aggravating. Uh, the situation, Dui is keeping uh, cohesion by, because their uh, share of uh, revenue from the government uh, keeps growing. With uh, as weak as SDSM is, they keep expanding into new institutions, taking them over, being able to hire ever, even ever more people for patronage jobs, mm. uh, being able to expand into other businesses which they can regulate and move into their direction. Like there is a lot of Albanians in real estate uh, in Skopje, which is a very lucrative deal in, uh, uh, of course, uh, farming, but especially in uh, wholesale in agriculture. So you cannot, practically Macedonians are complaining, you cannot prosper in this business because your price is dictated by uh, wholesalers, which, you know, when you add an ethnic element, it's an added uh, issue of, uh, it's an added problem. A huge issue these days uh, with these energy prices mm. is that, you know, the lawless village of Aracino, Albanian village next to Skopje, which was the site of a lot of fighting in 2001 during the war, uh, they do not pay electricity. Right. <laughs> so the news is that actually the after decades, they actually, actually the, the government and the, not the government, the EVN, the Austrian company, had said, listen, we cannot go on like this, we are <laughs> having losses. So they pretended that they lost, uh, that the relay station near the village burned down. It did. And it took their sweet time repairing it, so right. they practically cut off the entire village. Hmm. On, under the guise of, no, we're not cutting you off, we know right. we can't touch you, we know you have guns, we know this <laughs> is the original center for drug running, but we just, uh, and they have like five houses in the village, uh, they pay electricity, mm -hmm. so you cannot cut the entire zone because you have several paying customers in between several thousand non-paying customers. Mm -hmm. That's the clever trick they're playing. So they say, listen, we cannot cut you off, but we had like a defect, sorry, nothing we can do about this. So then the, this village, the famously non-paying village, famously also using now this free electricity to run Bitcoin rigs. Right. <laughs> it's a side business since electricity is free. Why wouldn't you do it? Mm -hmm. So they came to protest in front of the EVN company and they're shouting, our rights are being violated. And you can imagine, you know, the reaction among ethnic Macedonians. This is obviously... Help, help, we're yeah. oppressed. <laughs> yeah. This is hugely deepening tensions in the country. We discussed last uh, time the obviously corrupt from the start deal going to the Dewey, to a major Dewey financier to build like a electronic uh, vehicle company, ah, right. yep. this That's failed German mm -hmm. company to bring it in Macedonia with hundreds of millions in government subsidies. It's going to fail from mm -hmm. the start. At this moment, Artan Grubi, the deputy command in Dewey, is negotiating a very corrupt deal with Bechtel, which with the US State Department practically run construction company, which has to get all the major infrastructure deal, deals in the Balkans. And this buys you the goodwill of the U.S. State Department. Right. But in our case, it's not going to buy us the goodwill for the government, for the country, for Macedonia. It's going to buy the goodwill for Dewey, for Dewey's continued presence in the government. And it's going to be like a huge billions and billions of dollars worth corrupt deal that the 
entire country is going to have to pay off. So the Dewey line their pockets and US diplomats line their pockets. So yeah, it's becoming unlivable here. I mean, I wouldn't mind a much lower level of corruption on the part of the government if it's done by a Macedonian party for the Macedonian national cause. Like, mm-hmm. Because we need to stand up to, let's say, Greeks, to Albanians. You cannot do this without one some form of state-funded mafia on your part, which will be able to intimidate this person, bribe that person, back off, tell them to back off. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just the way the Balkans work. You cannot right. do it with I mean, But uh, <laughs> we now have a much larger, much more corrupt mafia, which is pushing the Albanian cause, which is pushing the country toward breakup, obviously. Uh, as Macedonians say, listen, I don't want to live here. I, mean, I don't want to live with Albanian criminals as my bosses in what was supposed to be my own country. And uh, on the Albanian side, you have the feeling that this is still not their country. They don't feel it. Uh, this is our impression that when uh, Macedonian runs the country, he feels like it's his own, especially from Vimero. Mm-hmm. This has not been proven on the side of SDSM. And they try to bring investments, try to build something, try to leave something behind, because they still consider it their own. Mm-hmm. We have not seen this from SDSM, and we have absolutely not seen this from Dewey, that right. they would put something in place that's sustainable and will actually improve things for everybody, even though it's in some level, you know, to some degree corrupt. Right. It's just open plunder. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, that if you were to have um, a more prosperous society, which would be accomplished by bringing in, you know, more foreign direct investment, by uh, encouraging domestic investment, mm-hmm. by streamlining regulations, by lowering taxes, all of these things that we talk about as conservatives, mm-hmm. and we're the Macedonian content farmers, and this is a podcast from a conservative standpoint, if you were to do all these things that would were to create a, a more prosperous society, while, I mean, yes, to your point about um, uh, the issue of this is the Balkans, you know, uh, 500 years of Ottoman rule and 70 years of mm-hmm. communism, etc., how that corrupts mm-hmm. uh, people's, people and institutions, of course. We're trying to rebuild that. Um, you know, so add those conservative, those bedrock conservative principles that apply to the economy, plus you know, more strengthening rule of law. Bottom line, you you create conditions where people can use their their talents and their God-given skills to earn decent income. I think then at that point, you know, then you you lower the level of of ethnic tensions. Mm. Um, But you got to put people, you've got to take the corruption, the most corrupt people out and put them in jail. Mm. Uh, And Artan Grubi obviously is not in jail, neither is Ali Ahmeti. Uh, they're just openly flaunting their corruption in the face of Macedonians, which, as you point out, really increases the level of tension. And then I think people, regardless of their ethnic um, ethnicity, want to leave the country, especially young yeah. people. Yeah. And we see that, um, you know, you see whole villages that are emptying out and, and abandoned, yeah. you know, kind of like ghost towns in the United States. Um and that's not good for the country long term. On the, on the on the plus side, though, you know, and I know because I was down near near Bitola this weekend and visiting some friends that, you know, they they left the United States, they came back, mm, yeah. and you've got lots of stories like that, and there are good news stories. Um, but th- this core issue of and and of course, Sirsa Dewey, they're 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 socialist. I mean, Sirsa. To be fair, Sirsa and 
but let's drop the M since they don't believe in the M, uh, were before 1991 the League of Communists of Macedonia and seem to have shed very little of their, their former communist uh, philosophy, especially when it comes to the economy. Uh, I don't know where I was going with that rant. <laughs> no, yes, people are moving out, as you said, and yeah. uh, we had elections recently, which regard which touch on Dewey. Uh, two of them were in rural. Uh, oh, the special local elections. Yeah, yeah. one is in like a more Turkish uh, neighborhood. One is in a mix of Albanians and Macedonians around Mavrova, the ski resort. <laughs> the big issue was to get uh, more than 30% of the registered voters to vote. As you know, we had this huge fraudulent census which counted the immigrants as actual residents, which, you know, confirmed or, uh, uh, confirmed, like, uh, sanctioned the right. officially, the, the official hugely overblown mm. number of residents and uh, voters. The problem is to get over 30%, which is necessary for the elections to be valid in the first right. place. So. This is how depopulated the country is. Like you couldn't get 30% of the voters to enroll with all the might of the government. While at the same time, there was election in uh, uh, Tetova, the largest majority ethnic Albanian city, and Dui was defeated here mm. by a few thousand votes, uh, like let's say 10,000 to 8,000, by Besa, the, this political Islam conservative. Uh, Turkish-aligned uh, uh, opposition party. They were with ADSM for a while, now they're in the opposition. So they are now promoting themselves as the largest opponent to uh, Dui. So uh, Dui lost uh, Gostivar, the second largest majority Albanian city, to the Alliance of Albanians. And now they lost uh, they lost Titova to Bisa, and now they lost the council, actually, in uh, Titova. So the, the the rise of Bisa in Titova with regard to Dewey is confirmed. This is largely to do with the other disaster under Dewey's DSM watch uh, that befell Albanians, which is the fire in the uh, in the hospital, in the, mm, in the COVID hospital yeah. in Titova. How many was it? Like 15, uh, 17 killed? Yeah. Um, mm. So, tragedy upon tragedy. Yeah. Now, is this uh, had to go ahead and they charged the brother of uh, Fatmir Besimi, the Dewey uh, finance minister, who was manager of the hospital. He will likely get off with some minor, like, suspended sentence or anything. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so this is the first time we've seen, like, uh, the brother of a top Dewey official charged. Mm. But, you know, it took, like, huge loss of life under horrific circumstances to even mm. get to this point. So, uh, but yeah, they're on the downside, but uh, there, there are other parts of the country where they, which they hold like in feudal uh, control and uh, in the general elections, this will make up the difference. Uh, so do you could still beat Besa in elections, even right. if Besa is allied with the Alliance of Albanians. Right. Well, let's let's talk a little bit. We mentioned uh, energy and Aracinovo and electricity and, and whatnot. Um, today is August 30. On September 1, two days from now, the government said, I think there will be special emergency measures put in regarding energy and the fall. Of course, uh, everybody's talking about that, given the war uh, in Ukraine, uh, right, you know, rising costs, inflation, blah, 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 everywhere. But especially in Europe, uh, energy prices are mm. going to go through the roof. Um, 
What exactly are special emergency measures for the energy? Can you elaborate on that? It will allow them to move money around, which money which should go from the government for other purposes to the to buy essential import electricity right. from countries that still have it. Uh, so Bulgaria with a nuclear plant, or uh, Bosnia with its large hydro and destroyed factories. They are the two largest exporters. And we last year was a disaster. Due to corruption, due to mismanagement, some say, you know, the position says deliberate mishandling of the energy sector. We had a large drop in energy production, domestic electricity production in Bitol in the coal, coal plant, um, which forced us to import very expensive electricity. I'm not sure if this year they are better prepared. We are yet to see uh, where they stand, if we can reach the usual like 70% of domestic production and then you just have to purchase, import 30%. Under these prices, even this is a lot. Mm. But uh, if we have a repeat of last year, then again, we're talking hundreds of millions going to electricity imports. So we have major DUI official opening up an energy import company. Uh, Zoran Zaev's barely of age son opening up energy import company. So this is... Uh, is this is he good friends with Hunter Biden or...? Uh, there, uh, probably the daughter would have better, uh, you know, if uh, the talk about her is correct, if we're talking about the drug use, yeah. right? Um, so this this is like a 18-year-old kid who set up like an energy company and uh, they're positioning themselves to import electricity from abroad, to this difference which we will fail to produce ourselves. Mm. Uh, even at best of times, we fail to produce, to satisfy all our needs. And now, you know, the government has actually announced that they want to close the plant. This is the stated goal of Zives, to go green. This was before the energy disaster in Europe. Um, now they're reversing course, but it's probably too little too late. Um, so electricity for households has gone up by, I don't know, maybe 20, 25%, 30%, mm. which is not nothing. <laughs> uh, electricity for businesses is where we, we got clobbered. They're so, charged at different rates. Yeah. yeah. Even like, even if it's like an office space, which does not use much more electricity than a household, because you're making money, because mm. you're a business, because mm. you're productive, you get hit Hopefully. by a much higher price. And if you hire above a certain number of people, you can negotiate your price on the open market, which sometimes was good for the businesses. Uh, right now, it's horrible. Mm. They pay like, you know, every day we get like small, like Budak shop, like a bakery tells you, listen, I got like a few thousand euros a month bill. Like this mm. is ridiculous. And I use gas, for example, for as primary energy. So this is going to destroy businesses. This is uh, uh, bleeding into the general inflation. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is uh, a disaster. On the other hand, the labor market is surprisingly good. Like in the US, I don't have a good explanation or a good tier in this. So people are, are getting second jobs, better jobs. So they're keeping up. There is no widespread uh, like, uh, but, but I'm sure there are households which are struggling, maybe not in my circles. But uh, yeah, people are complaining that money keeps going and uh, sooner than you would expect. 
Well, and, and, and homes, you know, talking about the coming winter, homes that are on, you know, in, in cities and towns where you have the, the radiators, yeah. that's on, that's the hot water running through. It's, 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 it's a Skopje. That's just Skopje. The other, the other towns don't have that. No. Nope. Oh, I have to. Nobody has to remember that. So, so they're all, you know, having to heat their homes through uh, the, um, the, uh, the heating AC heater. Yeah. Versus whatever you call that, uh, the pellets. Uh, the pellets were popular for yeah, a while. For not anymore. Uh, there is firewood. talk about both quality yeah. and price of the pellets yeah. and availability. Firewood. Yeah. People are going to firewood, and now that has doubled in price as well, almost. Doubled. Right. Because you know, the companies realize, listen, we can uh, gouge you because electricity is going to be unaffordable. To speak uh, nothing of illegal uh, force. Yeah, thing, of course. So, Again, uh, Dewey yeah. is alleged to be champions. Major. Sure. Right. In illegal forest logging, forest right. cutting. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we, we might uh, not have gas in Skopje because Skopje is heated with gas. So the government says, okay, we'll cover the because these are the you know the rich kids of Skopje. They cannot uh, lack for anything. So the government says we will keep the prices. We'll just increase it by 15 percent. Don't worry. But you will have heating. Now that we are arming Ukraine actively. You know, it's possible that uh, we may not have gas, period. Mm. Uh, so in this case, uh, two of the three boilers in Skopje can be switched to heating oil, mm -hmm. which will mean plumes of dark smoke above the capital, but still, at least... At least you won't freeze. Work. Yeah. You won't freeze, you have to resort to cannibalism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the, where I live, the third one, probably, I think it's not... We can't convert it. That's also a plant which uses gas for electricity. So it's a part of our electricity, uh, one of our electricity pillars as well. So yeah, that's uh, the problem with Skopje with the rest of the country. The problem is that, you know, they're switching to firewood. If they had gone to a better, they, they bought maybe, these were popular. Uh, there was a program, you, you give back your stove mm -hmm. and you get a few thousand dinners to buy, like uh, to go toward your, inverter AC, which is like energy efficient, it works at minus 15, so it can still heat your home, it's clean, you don't have to get yourself dirty, you just push the button, you get uh, heating. Um, and then you, there was some subsidies, you know, maybe you can put some plastic uh, PVC windows, so then you're not mm. bleeding, uh, warmth, etc. Um, now people with the, who have done this are trying, uh, scrambling to find uh, a new oven, you know, mm -hmm. a new furnace, uh, wood, wood burning, uh, to replace the one they gave away. <laughs> and also oh. have to pay like, uh, uh, not 100, but maybe 70% more expensive uh, firewood, because they're being gouged by, maybe, uh, you know, people are in the know, in position of power, making money importing electricity, and also gouging people for firewood. Right. Well, I mean, the, the, the government's response is, is going to be, or maybe it already has been, just just keep your your homes heated to, uh, say, uh, uh -huh. 16 in winter, yeah, which yeah. is 61 Fahrenheit, uh, <laughs> and uh, wear an extra layer of clothes, wear that jacket around the house, uh, you know, sleep with uh, la another layer of clothes yeah. on or something like that. Which would be, anyway, it's common that people heat only one room in winter, I and mean, this is the level of poverty here, yeah. of energy poverty. Right. And... <laughs> We'll see. This year is going to be extra bad. So yeah. Well, if there's any, um, if there's a brighter side to to what we're talking about here, is that uh, the rest of Europe is having yeah. some of these same issues. So you, 
um, you're all going to freeze. I live in the deserts of Arizona where it doesn't get quite mm. as cold and uh, we're pretty much energy independent. So, uh, uh, yeah. sorry, suckers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, That's thanks. Terrible. Thanks for pushing Ukraine uh, <laughs> in war with Russia. Oh wow! Well, let's see. To, to, again, today's the thirtieth. Next week is Macedonia's Independence Day, September eighth. Um, One of our more ironically named holidays. <laughs> so thirty-one years celebrating thirty-one years of independence. If I did my maths mm -hmm. correctly. Um, Not sure what the government has in plans for a celebration or if uh, people are going to be inclined to celebrate. That's a Thursday, so that's a holiday. So mm -hmm. people take the week. People take Friday off. It'll be a long weekend, I think. Um, not sure if, again, not sure how people are going to celebrate or if they're going to be able to, uh, to look at the positive things mm -hmm. that are going on in Macedonia. Trying to think of something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, whenever I come here, one one of the things I, I try and do, you know, with at some point in the conversation with friends, is always just tell me one positive thing mm. about what's going on here, and, yeah. and I can get I can get folks to, to do that. You'll get a few things. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I get a few things, and I think there's there's there there there's more than than there are more good things here in Macedonia than uh, we we um, mm. give credit for. Uh, so uh, let's see, what is our time here? Probably should we yeah, can wrap, it should wrap it up. I don't have a, I don't have a farmer's pick, but one thing I am going to do. So I am not a gin drinker mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to spiritus liquors. Mm -hmm. I like my mastica and rakia, uh, my scotch. Yeah. Um, but uh, there is a producer of Macedonian gin, the first in the country. It's called Smidgen. Mm -hmm. For uh, listeners not familiar with the, the English word smidgen, it means just a little, mm -hmm. but it's S-M-I-D-G-I-N, so you get gin and smidgen, yeah. which is why it's called that. <laughs> anyway, uh, that was more of an explanation than we needed, but uh, you know, the, the, the base uh, ingredient of, of smidgen, of gin, is juniper. Mm -hmm. Of course, Macedonia has abundant yeah. juniper trees and juniper berries. Uh, It's been on the market, I think, for a, over a year, um, and I haven't tried it because I'm not a huge gin drinker, but I might be convinced to start drinking gin mm -hmm. again. So it's not really a farmer's pick. Um, maybe we'll put a link to it in the show notes because uh, they have a website. Uh, and, and I think on, on the bottle, I don't have one in front of me, but it says from the, from the wilds of Macedonia, which mm -hmm. is a nice, a nice touch. Uh, but I think it is one of those good news stories coming out of, of Macedonia. Granted, you can have all the rakia you want and, and mm -hmm. limited producers for mastica, but but smidgen, a Macedonia's first gin, I think is a is a good news story yeah. that we can close this podcast on. The possible uh, ad source. <laughs> An ad source, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, we haven't talked about that in a long time because I think we just gave up on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for sponsors. Um, so anyway, it, you know, great to be here. Great to be with you, Sutton, here actually recording a podcast. Yeah, great to hear you. So, um, again, there's, there are good things going on in Macedonia, and I think we need to kind of focus on that, especially when we, after, after talking about so many dark and I'll depressing try, I'll try, I'll <laughs> try. Okay, good, good. All right, great catching up with you, son. Yeah, you too, buddy. Take care. You too.